Welcome to the Rise Inside podcast, hosted by Justin Starbird and powered by Rise Robotics. Listen as host Justin talks to experts from the Rise team about topics relating to mechanical engineering, industrial design, commercialization, and innovation. True collaborations work when ideas are integrated at inception to solve significant problems. Rise Inside brings together how the team continues to work with great folks to commercialize ideas. You're listening to the Rise Inside podcast. Here is your host, Justin Starbird. Welcome back to the Rise Inside podcast. My name is Justin Starbird, and I get to welcome back Ken Gray, who's, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times we've done this, but it's uh, it's been several, and every time we keep getting better. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's probably more, we've done this more times than I, than our listeners care to count. It's probably, <laughs> probably the way to say it. Uh, yeah. Thank well, you. Nice to, uh, always nice to talk with you, my friend. Uh, yeah, of course. Well, the difference today is that there have been several interviews, you know, several shows uh, since you and I actually uh, did this. So, um, you know, a lot of new listeners maybe don't know Ken Gray yet. Lucky them. <laughs> Lucky them. There, <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, well, yeah. thank you so much for, uh, for joining me. For those that don't know, uh, we are continuing our Inside Rise series to get to know the team that is making the ascension of Rise Robotics uh, complete. And this is pretty exciting. So Ken Gray uh, is with me today. He is the Chief Product Officer for Rise. Um, so formally, you know, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for having me. It's re really nice to be here. Yeah. Well, let's get started with, you know, a couple of similar questions that I've, I've asked some of the, the other team members. And that is, you know, how do you go about describing Rise to your friends and family? That's a real, you know, wow, that, that's an excellent question. You know, um, for me, I always talk about it being an enabling technology to you know, the, to lay people, you know, um, it's a, it, you know, Rise has technology that allows equipment that, uh, big equipment that's, that we want to electrify uh, to really be viable running from, running on batteries because of how efficient it is. And, you know, we, you know, we really focus on that technology, but we're, we're very much focused on improving the efficiency of what they've known. I work, I've loved working on my whole life, you know, big equipment that rolls around and moves things. And, um, and it's a, it's just, it's an opportunity to do things more efficiently than we've ever been able to do it before. And, and that, that's what we do. That's what rise does. Yeah. And it's a, it's a pretty unique mission. And, you know, since you and I, I guess, started in these, in these roles, um, of course, things have, have changed and evolved. And, and in fact, your title even changed, oh, six months ago. But tell me, what does the chief product officer, you know, do here at, at Rise? Yeah, one of, uh, one of my LinkedIn um uh, friends and 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 someone who became a friend saw the acronym CPO and he said what 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 is CPO is that chief people officer uh, or chief product or what is that and I I said you know one of the things you have to keep in mind at a at a business this size you know 30-ish employees is that that we do a lot of different things and um, what I think my primary role is is to bring experiences that I have had in 
my previous roles over the over several decades in the heavy industry, heavy and uh, uh, heavy machinery business to rise, not to prevent them from making mistakes, but just to make sure that they make, you know, new ones that I never conceived of before. But the chief product officer has the responsibility for brand and marketing at one level. Uh, we don't do sales. Um, so we do, we have, a, we still have the business development function under my watch. Um, we don't do sales. We don't do a tremendous amount of outreach. Uh, we, we do a lot of response to people that learn about our technology and its potential and work toward developing a collaboration with them to, you know, at least investigate the feasibility of improving their product um, and ideally work together engineering something new. And then I have the product management team working for me as well. I've brought in a, a, a couple of industry, seasoned industry veterans uh, that are I think of as my peers, quite frankly, actually my superiors in a, in, in a couple of cases and depending on the on what we're doing. But we're putting the processes into place uh, to move rise from an R&D research and development type of an organization to a product development kind of an organization. So we're moving from the research phase of of this startup to the application phase and the and the building phase and the commercialization uh, phase of this business and and that's in large part what my what my product team does. Yeah, certainly there have been uh, you know not a lot of empty spots on your calendar to even do this event. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it it it's packed and I but I do I also program my days. So um, I will put focus time on my calendar, depend, you know, for the things that I want to work on. So absolutely many things are, you know, half my day might be meetings, uh, but the other half of my day is programmed for the, the things that I want to that I want to focus on. I might be working on develop on on a on a joint venture or a development agreement with someone, and I want to focus on that. I also program activities into my day. So I'm very big on getting out and moving around after breakfast and after lunch and uh, and after dinner. So I actually have those things laid out on my calendar. It, it says something like, you know, morning activity uh, and reading, I think is what the first meeting says, but I start my day reading and then, and, and, and walk at least a mile, probably a mile and a half. And then lunchtime is get lunch in and walk another mile and a half. Uh, and then I do the same at, uh, at dinner time. But I just I just want to get out and keep moving. I think, you know, I've heard this expression lately that, uh, you know, sitting is the new smoking, you know, in yeah. our generation. So I just want to I just want to get out there and get moving. Yeah. And, you know, that it's so important. Um, and, and really, that's the industry that we're catering to, you know, folks that are out there moving, they're doing stuff. It's an active space. Um, in no way, shape or, or form does our technology really, uh, you know, help with uh, being passive. <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, it's all about moving it faster too, right? Move it, that's right. move it faster, move it further, move it more efficiently, uh, move it more quietly. That's another, another way to think of it. It's, and, and that's, you know, one of the things I like to examine with potential collaborators is, is, you know, what are they looking to improve in the machine? And, 
you know, this technology is very, very light compared to hydraulics. Um, it's faster, it's, it, it is powerful, uh, it's reliable, durable, and extraordinarily efficient. Um, it's also very, very quiet, remarkably quiet. So, and you've been in the lab, you've been able to, you, you and I have been able to have a, a normal conversation standing next to this equipment operating in the lab. And that's, that's just a testament to how quiet it, how quiet it is. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about, you know, what your background was like, you know, before Rise. I know you and I actually, we've talked about this on, on previous episodes where, uh, you know, we know each other now, oh, goodness gracious, over 10 years. Um, you know, what, what, tell us a little bit about what you did before. Yeah, well, I'm educated as an, as an engineer and a mechanical engineer. My mom tells the story uh, that when I came home from Mrs. Summer's second grade class, I told her that I was going to work for Caterpillar. And she said the word she used was that, that uh, I told her I was going to be an engineer and design machines for Caterpillar. Not sure I knew what an engineer was into my early 20s uh, exactly, but uh, I, I'll go with I'll go with the words she used. So I lived the dream. I, I, I got to do exactly what I wanted to do in my childhood. Uh, I worked for Caterpillar for well over 30 years, um, had assignments in, in Japan twice. I lived in, had the privilege of living in Brussels as well, uh, you know, Los Angeles twice, uh, which I also consider to be a foreign assignment, uh, Chicago area as well. So I got to travel around with my family uh, and, uh, you know, spent the first third of my career designing equipment, the middle of my career uh, marketing equipment, doing product marketing work, which I think is extremely important. It's a pro because product marketing is is two way. Um, it's understanding what customers need and translating that into requirements for engineers to develop product. And then it's also once you've got the product, translating that back into you know sales arguments so that that sales people understand you know how to put to work what the engineering team has done. And then the last third of my career was uh, executive leadership. So I managed two of Caterpillar's large businesses worldwide and then have had the privilege of being um, their first global director of innovation for the company as well. And then it's been six years ago that I retired and um, <laughs> whatever that word is, as my my one of uh, as my favorite mentor, Ed Rapp's fond of saying, Ken has failed at retirement. Uh, so I went, we, we, I did take a year, a sabbatical, a serious year off with my family. Uh, and then my wife and I found a, a place to, uh, we found a home that uh, needed to be completely rebuilt. The jungle had reclaimed it on the Gulf Coast of Florida. Uh, and we spent uh, two and a half years rebuilding, renovating it. Um, and uh, as our family retreat, we're now we're now here. Uh, along the way, I did some other things. I've done all, some some nonprofit work. Central Illinois Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired is something I've been very passionate about. Uh, the uh, University of Iowa Institute for Vision Research is another passion of mine. Um, and then uh, I was a board member for Fruth Innovative Technologies, who uh, uh, Carl Fruth and his company uh, in Germany has one of the most advanced um, uh, People say 3D printing. 
I don't like that phrase, additive manufacturing application mm -hmm. companies in the world, uh, designing for additive, uh, an incredible company that he, that, uh, that Carl has. It was a privilege to be a part of that for a while. And then Aaron was after me to come work for him at, at Rise. I was looking back. My first email with Aaron was, our CEO, was in 2018. Uh, and I went to came to work for Rise in uh, January of 2021 uh, to be the B VP of Business Development, and that so there there we go. That's one yeah. breath. I did that. Yeah, that, I mean it's uh, a lot that you've done uh, over the course of your career, certainly, and and even in your uh, retirement. <laughs> and then, well, I don't know what that is. My yeah. dad said that my dad, my I was talking about mom earlier. My my late great father said that one of the secrets to longevity is meaningful work. And um, you know, at this point in my career, I want to do work that matters, um, work that you know really truly makes a difference. And so. You know, really, my goal is to help Rise Robotics be successful. And to be successful, Rise is going to help, you know, equipment manufacturers make much better equipment, much more efficient equipment, um, and uh, and allow them to take advantage of the electrification mega trend that's occurring everywhere. Uh, but to really allow the efficiency of this technology will allow that to be them to take advantage of it for heavy equipment as well. And that, and I, I think that that really has a chance to matter. Um, and that's why I'm, that's why I wanted to do this. You know, you mentioned that I was going to go in a different direction, but you just said, that, mm -hmm. you know, the electrification is a, a mega trend. Do you, I, it's more than that though, right? It's a direction. It's a direction in um, you know, you're seeing it in, our personal lives, you're seeing it at work, um, you're seeing it in, in all spaces. But what Rise is really doing is is actually uh, helping an entire industry potentially get there that really doesn't have any other roadmap. Yeah, you know, my 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 friend and colleague Doug Pedersen calls the calls this technology the the missing link, or at least the potential missing link. And you know, most construction, mining, material handling, uh, manufacturers, you know, don't even consider anything other than hydraulics to push and pull loads because there's never been a technology with the ability, you know, to do it other than hydraulics. And, and why is that bad? Well, it's not bad. It's, you know, hydraulics have their place. They are, it, it's a very, power dense effective tool it's that's everywhere uh the problem with it is is that it's not very efficient you know you know a lot about if it's a diesel machine you know you know arguably about 15 percent of the potential energy locked up in diesel fuel ever gets to move a load it's there are so many inefficiencies in the system and a lot of that inefficiency is in the diesel engine it's losses in the engine itself but a massive part of that is in the hydraulic system so this is you know this technology unlocks the opportunity to just to completely electrify otherwise the batteries are just so huge that that you can't possibly do the job electrically in construction and mining like big excavators or loaders or those types of tools sure and you mentioned you know a couple of things there uh, about you know doing meaningful work and and 
you know, seeing the vision, what about it really, you know, made Aaron's uh, recruitment of you, uh, Aaron Acosta's um, recruitment of you back in 2018 uh, resonate? Because at the time, you know, you left your corporate job, you, you, you were able to work on your passion projects and we'll get to those in a second, um, especially related to, uh, you know, the, um, you know, working with, with folks with disabilities. And then also, uh, you know, you did some consulting for the additive manufacturer and, you know, that was, that was pretty good in keeping you busy. Uh, you know, what, what about this really made you feel like you couldn't pass this opportunity up? You know, it was probably um, a past shortcoming, Justin. There was an article in Forbes magazine back in, I don't know when it was, 2014, 2013, 2014. It was the title of it, I think it was um, Caterpillar Turns Fast Fail into, I don't know, some success or something like that. And it was about one of the programs that I managed and uh, I hated to, to see that them describing failure and uh, is, is one of the programs I managed. But what we were really trying to do was create a, a an, an all electric excavator. And we ended up falling short of it back in that time frame uh, because the power required to push loads was just so significant that the cost of that machine was at that time again it was 2013 2014 uh the cost of the machine the size of the batteries you know just was prohibitive and the reason it was prohibitive is because the hydraulic system was not efficient enough in my at least in my estimation for us to um for us to move forward with that machine and had, what i really needed was a more efficient way to move loads so that I could electrify that machine. And and when Aaron first started, you know, when he first approached me back in 2018, I love the concept of RISE. RISE is basically a, you know, the RISE technology or RISE cylinder is basically a block and tackle that uses belts to move load. It's steel reinforced polyurethane belts that were originally developed for uh, elevator applications. and the concept was great. Love the concept. Uh, but it wasn't in a commercial ready form in 2018. By 2021, they had identified the first commercial application, the Anthony Liftgate one that we've gone to, uh, you know, we've announced here recently. Uh, and so at that point, once they had a product that certainly still had a long, I mean, we still have a lot of work to do. I don't want to I want to be very transparent about that. But uh, when I saw the product in 2021, I realized that this fantastic idea that they have and the patents that they have actually are materializing in such a way that, that you know, industrial OEMs are going to are going to want this. The, the, the only thing holding this back is awareness right now. And uh, what about, you know, your, uh, you know, previous experience, do you see, you know, lends itself to, you know, like you mentioned uh, at the very beginning, you know, not making the same mistakes, but making ones that we've never thought of. 
<laughs> well, you know, we know, you know, as you as you move into a new technology, you you know, you're going to make mistakes that others have never made because you're blazing, you know, a new a new path, right? And but my experience has been around translating customer requirements into into design and and product management, program management for my whole career. So, and Rise's um, real expertise has been in research and development. So, you know, my my expertise in combination with theirs, I bring a ton of customer experience, a ton of product development experience in to this into the into this arena. That's experience that they don't have. And as I mentioned earlier, I've gone out and recruited up people who I consider my peers, superiors, and as I said, actually my superiors, I can't believe they work for me. But, uh, you know, these are people, uh, you know, that, that have that product development and customer experience as well. So, um, you know, that's what we're bringing. We're bringing, we're bringing, you know, between, in my team, we have over 120 years of product development experience, leadership experience. And that's something that Rise would take a very long time to acquire without uh, going out and bringing people in like us. Yep. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, a couple of topics we, we touched on before, uh, you know, you're very active outside of Rise. Um, you know, you would, uh, attempted to retire previously, but even through your, even through your, I did, I did it. I did it. This is what retirement is. So who told me this recently? Retirement is (laughs) retirement is simply making time for doing the things that you're passionate about. Yeah. That's a fantastic definition of what retirement is. I'll take it. And and you're doing it. Uh, and outside of Rise, you know, not that a lot of people are are getting to know some of the passions um, that you have, and also some insight into the you know the personal I don't want to say struggles, but obstacles that you've had to overcome in your career. You want to talk a little bit about some of those projects that you're on now? Well, I don't I don't get to work so much with them anymore since we moved from Illinois. But one of my passions is, uh, you know, go check out their website. It's it's the it's CICBVI.org, Central Illinois Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired dot org. One of the things that I think is so cool about about um, about the Blind Center. And again, I don't get to work with them as much, nearly as much as I would like to anymore. That's the home of the white cane. When we think of innovation, the red tip white cane was invented in Peoria, Illinois, uh, at the CICBVI. And um, at a predecessor at the pre, at the at the predecessing or the parent organizations that form CICBVI, uh, and that white cane is on display at the Peoria Riverfront Museum, and and it's an historical artifact in the community. So, uh, and the that organization exists today to take care of people who are blind and visually impaired or visually impaired that live in that central Illinois area. Very important, long time. Uh, running organization that uh, that is very obviously very important to me um and then the other one that i work i love to work with as well is uh dr ed stone's um, institute for vision research at the university of iowa and i'll use my words to describe what they're doing they they are working to democratize very sophisticated treatments of um 
of inherited eye diseases. So, so incredibly difficult diseases to treat like Stargardt's um, is a great example, but these are inherited diseases of the eye uh, and they, uh, their work is to figure out a way to make those treatments affordable to everyone. And they are, they have been historically incredibly expensive. Um, I would say that everything that the, it, that the IVR does is shareware. So any of the work that they do, they publish and make it available to anybody. Uh, they're, they're philosophically, it's just incredible what, uh, what Dr. Stone and, uh, and his team are working on. So that's, that's always been and will always be a passion of mine. And, uh, and all that comes be from my family probably having an, an inherited uh, a retinal disease my, of, uh, of our own to deal with. And I am one of them. I'm one of the, one of the kids that has that. I'm one of the, one of the male children. It's an X recessive disease in my family, which means the women in my mom's family carry it on to their male children. And about half of us are affected by this. And it's, uh, it's called, uh, I am a BCM. I'm a blue cone monochromat, which is an extremely, extremely rare disease of the retina. Um, and, um, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's, I, I'm sure that that's, I'm sure that that, it, that my eyesight is it, it informed my experience. So I've, I've not taken for granted how to figure out, do how to do things that all of you with normal eyesight, whatever normal is, uh, take for granted that you're able to do. So, um, you know, I think that, and the men t that have this, t the men in my family, or the, I should say the men that are afflicted with this, they're, they are either <laughs> overachievers, I'll raise my hand, <laughs> or, or they're homebound, and there's really nothing in between. And um, our acuity is the same, but I think the, you know, roughly the same, but I think what happens, it's, it's a lot of it probably depends on environment and whether you take, you know, something like this on as a challenge to overcome or not. And for me, um, I've never, you know, I was born this way and my eyesight's never changed appreciably since I was seven six, seven years old. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and my dad's attitude was, you know, we're going to leave Ken in public school and he's going to figure out how to compete. And there's never a question. Ken's going to, he's going to university. He's, he's going to do whatever he wants to do. I, I just never thought about it any, in any other way. I'm just, we're just going to go do this. Yeah. And you helped the folks here at Rise, you know, get an inside glimpse a little bit of of what you've dealt with in, over the course of your career. We went back and we did a um, a series here about, you know, for, dis for the Disability Pride Disability Month. Disability Month. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And in July. And, you know, not only have we heard your story, but also, um, uh, you know, Rosa Henderson, and then we also, mm -hmm. bro who works for you, and then a um, member of your team, and uh, keeps you in line, <laughs> and then, oh, no doubt. and then we brought in some, some experts from outside as well, to talk about how employers are able to uh, give support to their employees, so that one, of course, they're um, retaining their talents and, and their drive, 
but then two, giving them the resources that they need to be successful and doing it in a way where it feels inclusive, not exclusive. And, and, you know, this is something that is actually a lot more attainable for employers than most people realize. It is. And we'll do some more. I should say in October, October is blindness awareness month. So we'll do a couple of more podcasts on this, on this topic uh, in the rise inside podcast. Thank you very much. It's a shameless plug there for you, Justin. Yeah. Um, but um, it is easy. And uh, I think it's, I don't think people, employers realize how, how easy it is in, you know, we did, uh, we went through Rosa Henderson's employment story. And uh, one of the issues with people who are blind and visually impaired who have other impairments as well, is there's a very significant amount of underemployment. Sure, they have jobs, uh, but we tend to put them, we society tend to put them in jobs that are you know, beneath the limits of their capability, well beneath the limits of their capability. And I met Rosa, uh, who is a product support person, and we'll we'll be talking with her uh, her for her last employer too, the eSight Eyewear team. Uh, I met her as a user of eSight Eyewear, and she was my teacher, my instructor, and she did such an awesome job. And I was so impressed with her ability to teach technology and listen to what I needed, and you know, translate that back to their engineering group, get me support. It was she did a great job. That mm. uh, that that. Um, I decided that she needed a full-time role at Rise that will eventually be. Now she's keeping me out of trouble, as you as you point out. But I think uh, her her ultimate destination is a is a role where she's helping customers solve their problems, and uh, that's where I think she's ultimately headed here. Yeah, it, and we're as a company moving, you know, toward that as well. You know, not just um, helping solve the customer problems, but uh, it, it's a diverse workplace and really does provide opportunities for folks, uh, you know, as long as their uh, skills match, regardless of, of where they're yeah. coming from. And I, I think yeah. that that part is one of the more cool things about Rise. Yeah. And I think we know that, you know, I, we are very, very confident that, you know, diverse perspectives and diverse experiences contribute to better output better team output so mm -hmm. you know it's it's we're not diverse for diversity's sake we're selfish <laughs> you know we're we're diverse because it helps improve the performance of the business it's just it's just it's a fact and you know we want to we want to build a better better business goes back to my role my role is to help rise be successful yeah and and yeah. to significantly increase its average age. Those are those are really my two my two roles. <laughs> well, um, I guess you're doing both of those well, um, <laughs> you know. And uh, no, you know, you you point out a couple of things though that you're looking at. Where do you, you know and and reasons to be optimistic? And and I don't want to turn this conversation negative, but where do you see some obstacles right in front of us now? You know, it's like anything new. I think the, the biggest obstacles are around resistance. I like the word reticence better, resistance to change or reticence to change. I mean, you know, we, we're really comfortable humans with the way we've always done things. And we're, by definition, asking industrial equipment manufacturers to try something that's radically different. 
And, and it's a little bit like, you know, back in the 80, mid 80s, when one of the big auto manufacturers took a gasoline engine and tried to make it into a diesel engine, and it failed miserably, it cast doubt in the United States on the ability of diesel engines to run clean and, and power automobiles. Everywhere else in the world, they rocketed because of their efficiency and ability to do the job well. Um, in a similar way here, the performance of non-hydraulic or fluid-free solutions isn't generally up to the performance of hydraulics. And so part of what RISE has to overcome is that, is that yeah, it's a fluid-free solution, but it is so different than anything that's out there today uh, that, that it, it, it's not constrained with the same performance limitations that, that you know, actuators of today have. And, uh, but that's the environment in which we work. We're, we're not, we are, we are, we are entering into a marketplace where lower performance is the norm. And we have a solution where we have a solution, a technology now that, you know, users of hydraulics don't have to, don't have to accept any compromises, right? But they just don't know we're here. And that's, you know, so our biggest issues are awareness and reticence to change. And that's a bigger, that's a big opportunity too, right? Where there's obstacle, there's opportunity. So where do you see that? I mean, I know right now we're in the process of uh, working with Anthony Liftgates to commercialize our, our first product, but you're even out beyond that as well. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a number of, of really strong relationships coming. The one, you know, there's a lot going on with the Air Force. We've become a darling with the Air Force, but we don't want to be a military company. We are, we are doing work with the Air Force, well, because there's some important work that needs to be done, and we're really happy to do that. But we're applying commercially available or com- and, and privately developed technology to help them solve their problems. And we are gaining some significant traction there and we're delighted and flattered and uh, to have it. Uh, and also some, some additional commercial traction, you know, that we've been public about our, our fledgling relationship with Dan Foss, which we'd like to see get to the next level uh, to, you know, to work on some more specific projects, uh, specific applications, and, and we're making progress. Um, I don't want to speak for them. I'll let them do that here, uh, hopefully in the near term. And, uh, but we're, but we're still looking for more partners. And one of the other risks I think I probably should mention is that when we talk about a partnership with one company, um, our our hope is that we frame it in such a way that that traction entices others to work with us too. (laughs) The risk is that it scares somebody away. Oh, you're working with them. That's exactly the reaction that we, that we don't want. Uh, And, but we know some of that's inevitable, but we're a small company. We're looking to, to broaden our customer base. um, And, uh, and it's a, and, and we are, it's a very exciting time. Um, we have more capacity right now. You know, we have a lot of capacity for taking on some additional projects. So uh, we're looking for we're looking to broaden that customer base. So anyway, I'll get yeah, off my and soapbox I'm, on that. And I'm not saying it's Volvo that introduced the three point seatbelt. Um, you know, but you know that something that you know transformed uh, 
the way in which you know you you get in and ride in a car in a vehicle now and and it's not that dissimilar i mean we're probably not going to open up all of our ip for anybody to use but um it is something that's really important that should allow for meaningful and um you know significant partnerships yeah i mean I'll, you know the analogy you know the, one of the reasons hydraulics is so well established is you know 75 years ago hydraulics displaced cables and pulleys right and and um basically they displaced block and tackle that were based on cables and um very quietly about 25 years ago otis invented this steel reinforced polyurethane belt and that invention because of how because of because of the fatigue strength to weight ratio i mean how light that that is compared to cable uh those belts have completely or almost completely displaced cables in the elevator industry in a, in a very short period of time 25 years ago and now now we're going back and taking that technology and finding, wow, it's lighter, faster, quieter, cheaper, more efficient than hydraulics. Uh, so, and we're not trying to, we may not just, we're not going to displace a whole industry. There are some places where hydraulics works extremely well uh, and will continue to work extremely well, but there are some applications that where this technology works remarkably well. And, uh, and I've, you've heard me say this before, we pick things up and put them down really, really well. Uh, so we're after we're after those types of uh, those types of applications. Sure. Well, what are you most excited about? What's coming next? Well, I'm excited for this weekend. Actually, you know, it's uh, you know, it's Friday. It's Friday afternoon. You know, what's coming next is a uh, you know some announcements about you know what are the next steps of our development are. Uh, there's some really cool stuff going on around, you know, the funding of this business. There's some really cool stuff going on with customers that we're working with and some, you know, broadening of some relationships and some new relationships that are coming as well. So uh, there's a lot happening. Our team is growing. I think I have to look back. I think I was employee number 11 and we're, high, you know, 18, 19 months ago and we're three times that size now. So you know, we have a great team. We're attracting tremendous people. Uh, I just, it's, it's just a really, really exciting time to be, to be part of Rise. And, you know, I haven't talked about anything that's going on, you know, and by, you know, what's going on with family and that kind of stuff, but um, they, they're really excited about what, what's going on here as well. And, uh, you know, they just like me to, they like me to be a little more fully retired at some point, but whatever that means, but That'll happen sometime too. Sometime, yeah, not now. Sometime, uh, not now. And we're we're thankful for the opportunity to you know to work with you and and uh, have you share your experience, your expertise, and and uh, you know guiding hand through a lot of these different uh, circumstances that are new to to a lot of the folks at Rise. So this has been really great. Thank you. A lot of fun. Always fun. Always always a lot of fun talking with you, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Well, this is um, one of our, our uh, little sub-series. It's this Inside Rise. Um, and we got to know Ken Gray, Chief Product Officer of Riser Box. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Rise Inside Podcast, presented by Rise Robotics. On behalf of our guest today and host Justin Starbird, thank you for listening. Please share your feedback on our LinkedIn page 